episode of about to review i'm your host that guy named john and i'm sitting across from the table of returning guest this guy named steve hey it's me this guy named steve uh so uh yes steve do you have something to say <laughs> okay he had his mouth open there for a second i was not sure if he was having another stroke um <laughs> feels good okay so uh today we're recording this a little as a, as a pre-recording that sounds weird pre-recording pre-recording uh, we're going to be taking a trip to a local VR game studio here in Seattle, in the U District, called Inverse Studios. So we're going to go there, uh, meet up with creative director like Ryan Smith. So look forward to that. And it's all about VR. Yeah, all about VR. Step into that virtual world that we touched on a little bit when we did the PAX in the sixth episode. Yeah, so that was episode 22. Where that, was, that was my first time playing any VR games. So it is still... Still new to me, so I'm really excited to go to the studio and hopefully get a chance to play some of the games that we played at six. Mm-hmm. But a little bit more in depth, a little bit longer, yes. and obviously see how the sausage is made as far as all those great games. Absolutely. So yeah, so next on the show is going to be an interview uh, with Ryan Smith, and then Steve and I will wrap things up when we come back to the studio. Roll tape. All right. So Steve and I are recording live at Inverse Studios uh, here in the University District of Seattle. Say hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, And we are sitting at the table with Ryan Smith, who's the founder and creative director and has seven other titles here at Inverse Studio. Hi, guys. (laughs) So Ryan, tell the people who are not in Seattle, who did not get a chance at six to play some of your games what is Inverse Studio, and how long have you guys been around? Uh, we actually just marked our first year as a company. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, we have uh, got started at the end of 2015 um, when myself, uh, Ryan Smith, uh, <laughs> met up with Victor Broden, uh, who is a phenomenal Unreal developer, uh, and we decided that we were going to start making some VR stuff. Uh, we had one of the Vive developer kits, um, and when I got a second Vive developer kit, uh, then it was just perfect because we could each have one and we could each develop on one. Uh, so we started making a zombie game that we didn't even show you guys yet. Oh. <laughs> we can. So you guys are holding out on us. We have been here for a couple hours, got to play some really cool stuff. Well, we don't have all day to show you all of the things <laughs> uh, we've made. Yeah, because apparently Ryan, and we're also sitting here at the table with another member of Inverse Studios, uh, apparently they like to actually get work done every now and then. My idea of working for a VR studio is apparently totally different than reality i say in air quotes <laughs> so but yeah so talk more about the the zombie game that we did not get a chance to play that i want to play soon okay well it's uh it's the wake uh and it is available like right now for free on steam uh, mm-hmm. you can just go to the wake and, and go and download the demo uh, gotcha. so we realized that we had we'd made something that was really fun uh and right around halloween we decided to just kind of give away a, a taste of it for free um, in the game, it's it's an ambitious attempt at melee combat in VR, <laughs> okay. uh, which may or may not be one of the most dangerous things you can do with motion controllers <laughs> while, you, while, while technically blind. Mm-hmm. Ah, yep, <laughs> right. good point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you're you're in an alleyway. Uh, it's kind of a fixed location, uh, wave-based uh, game where where different uh, zombies come up and you beat the crap out of them with baseball bat. If mm-hmm. you swing it, the baseball bat hard enough, you crack their skulls open. Uh, nice, good, good clean fun. And there are 
other weapons in the game, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, the we we have the version that we have internally that we kind of slimmed out some of the stuff. Um, there there's some pistols. Uh, there's some dynamite. Uh, there's even a chainsaw. Wow. Um, all, all of those are kind of like held back uh, for when we actually kind of get back into development on the game, um, which we're not sure <laughs> if that's going to happen or when. Yeah. Um, but it is really fun. And, and so people you know, can download it and play it for free. When I did the Vive demo at PAX, the uh, demo aspect that I liked the most was when these little skittering uh, beetle type creatures were coming right at me and I had to shoot them away. So I'm really, try I'm really interested to try this eventually because that feeling of it coming at you mm -hmm. is something that's uh, really transcendent in VR, I think. Yeah, we, we latched onto yeah. it right away um, as something that's super, I guess, intimidating. Mm -hmm. uh, I had yeah. made uh, I made the zombies over a year ago uh, with this motion capture company that I was working with. And uh, when I got a Vive, I basically turned on ragdoll physics and dropped <laughs> one in my living room, is the way okay. to put it. And because I still remember where on my carpet that this dead, skinless <laughs> zombie corpse was lying because mm -hmm. I could poke it with a stick. Oh, and of course. And all I remember was that I viscerally did not want it to wake up. And mm. it, there was a, somewhere there was a part of my brain that knew it could not wake up because it didn't have any code for that. But it was so gross and so scary <laughs> that, like I said, I, I still feel like there should be a stain on my carpet from where this skinless corpse was. Um, and so then we decided to give the skinless corpses the ability to, you know, get up and, and kind of come at you. Um, so that was our that was our first production. Um, I feel like dynamite in close quarters would be pretty brutal. Yeah. So uh, hopefully there is a throw mechanic for the dynamite and not just sticking it in a zombie's you can, mouth. You can throw it, but it doesn't really ever go very far. I don't know. We, okay. we never got the physics right, so it always ends up like four feet away from you. And the funny thing about the dynamite is it will blow up all the zombies, but it also blows away all your weapons. Yeah, I figured and, it was much. <laughs> so people are like, they throw the dynamite, and then they look for like, where did I drop my axe? Where did I drop my, my chainsaw? And then it's like... I can I can now punch these zombies, <laughs> and you do you actually you can do the game with your fists. You kind of squeeze mm. the trigger and you reach out and you punch them in the face. Um, it's not an effective way to fight a horde. Uh, maybe right. one maybe one at a time mm -hmm. if, if you're fit. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you really want to some sort of a weapon. Okay, so that was the wake, and then the game that Steve and I did get a chance to play quite a lot of. So thank you again for that. Is the nest? Yes. So. The Nest, yeah, I had a chance to play at 6, the Seattle Indie Expo, a couple months back. Uh, it was crazy busy at 6. You guys had a line like 30 feet long, so congratulations on that. It was very well received, but I only got a chance to play it for a couple minutes. This time, we actually got to really get in there, get an idea for the game, for the mechanics. So tell people about who have not had the chance to play it, kind of what makes this game unique and special. Okay, well, The Nest is... Something that we made at a hackathon here at the <laughs> University of Washington in for uh, I think it was June. It was and right, a, yeah. a hackathon is <laughs> uh, a hackathon is a weekend where instead of sleeping, you go and hang out with a bunch of other passionate people, uh, lots of programmers and artists and students and, and enthusiasts. Um, you get together in teams and you try to make a project in like forty eight hours. 
Um, okay, so similar hours. to like a 48 hour film festival, mm -hmm. but specifically geared towards the gaming community. Yep. Uh, it's, you know, otherwise sometimes they're known as game jams. Um, okay. There's yep. like global game jams and things. Uh, this is one that is organized. It's the Seattle VR Hackathon. Uh, we love it. We've done it several times. Uh, we won some awards a couple wow. times. Um, but this in this in this occasion, we decided to go all in with a, a sniper rifle mechanic. And so... You know, just having everyone's had guns in virtual reality and, and you know, swords and slice things and stuff. <laughs> um, but no one had actually put a uh, like a scope that you could use to kind of see off into the distance. Mm -hmm. uh, and it ended up being perfect. Like we, we had lines even when the game was like 12 hours old, we were already having people line up. Um, we made that silly little uh, cardboard and two by four wrapped with wrapped with duct tape. <laughs> right. Uh, so check, check the blog post. I will I will have some pictures up there of the different iterations and if you think of it like an iron man suit of armor you have the mark one the mark two so yeah there was a significant yes. uh leap forward this was exactly like the mark one iron man suit I, mm -hmm. i'd say with its duct tape and right yeah <laughs> and wood and wood <laughs> uh, but it it gave us yeah someone had the idea to to try to kind of mix reality a little bit and make a peripheral that didn't exist and um, so we put a Vive controller at a nice angle that you could kind of hold with, with uh, a stock going to your shoulder, and then your other hand kind of goes past the Vive controller to hold it as a grip. Uh, and it just made it really kind of comfortable and mm -hmm. a little bit more immersive. Um, then we made the, the, the rifle in the game kind of look and match those proportions, uh, and, and the effect was, was really, really cool. Um, yeah, it seems like there's always a segment of the gaming population that loves to be the sniper. I've played a lot of Halo, and there's there's always that one guy who goes for the sniper rifle and stays in one spot. Because and, and I understand it because there's a big power differential. Mm -hmm. Different, you know, you can do a one shot kill, and the risk to you is very low. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that's brilliant that you guys went that direction because you've got that uh, segment of the population that is going to go for it every time and, and love playing a sniper game. I mean, what was your favorite sniper game or sniper experience before that? Had you ever done Silent I, Scope of or any of those? I did Silent <laughs> Scope. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> uh, I even did Silent Scope again recently just to, to see their little little screen in screen action. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the there's some games that are just kind of focused on target practice, um, just, you know, seeing exactly how good your aim is. Um, you know, with pistols and things like that. Mm -hmm. But but for us, like we we put extra effort into making it so that you could take your time and not ha worry about like whether or not you were being seen up until the point where you squeeze the trigger. And if you were smart about when you pulled the trigger, it won't alert any other robots. If your aim is good, then you know they'll die before they can kind of tell anyone about it. Uh, so so that was something that and and then there's there's a secondary mechanic. So I love what you just said, which is being kind of behind the lines, <laughs> safe and sound, right. <laughs> snuggle up in my bed, and able to one-shot my enemies. Yeah. I recommend it for everyone. Um, <laughs> and But but there's there's sort of a second thing that, that uh, kicks in. If, if you actually do miss in this game, the robots don't just stand there. They run for cover. Mm -hmm. They hide behind walls. They start dodging, and then they aim back at you, and, of course, they, they try to, to kill you back. Uh, and we have seen people get into firefights for like 20 minutes worth of cardio where they are like doing their squats and hiding behind the, mm -hmm. the window. Because we give you a window and you can kind of, you can roll to, you know, to the side, you can lean, you can dodge the incoming shots. Uh, and and so that cover is 
one of the most fun things. I, I don't even do it anymore because my aim is so good that I almost... Oh, wow. Humble yeah, brag. I never, <laughs> I never have to dodge anymore because I'm too good of a sniper. Um, but but when I see people for the first time, like one of the things they love most is actually is missing and then just getting pinned down by this mm-hmm. wave of incoming fire. Um, so we, we knew that was a really cool mechanic. And, and I think, I mean, I think also that is something that sets it apart. Like the first games that I remember playing that really had that similar type of thing where if you were so uh, scoped in on somebody and they started to notice, it was like Gears of War, I feel like had that where you did not really have that comfort as much. And so it made it more challenging. But something like this where it kind of brings that back, where it's like, okay, no no one really knows what is happening in this scene that you see with all these robots just going about their daily activities, uh, may or may not have had grocery bags, just... You know, briefcases on their way home. But no, yeah, they're bad. They're mean. They're mean robots. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, sure. that was it. They had swords yes. and, and guns in their hands. Yeah. They're on their way to go commit war crimes. For sure. <laughs> right. That's why you're fighting these robots. Yeah. So I think that mechanic of taking your time and making sure you take out that one enemy, because at that time, most likely, that one enemy is the only person who saw you and is shooting back at you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you take somebody who misses and then that robot runs away and they're like oh okay move on to the next one you then could find yourself Pinned taking out. a lot of fire yep. from multiple directions you can't even pop your head out so just to help people imagine what they're seeing can you sort of paint the picture of what it's like to play this game what are you seeing what are you hearing all that oh yeah so imagine if you will <laughs> we take you to a magical place that is basically a, a desert with like mud huts um <laughs> okay <laughs> uh your your generic you know tatooine jakku um mm-hmm. other non-star wars inspired references um <laughs> and uh yeah you're you're in this um mud building mm-hmm. uh that that has a, a very interesting big metal hatch to the right that people probably wonder why it's there I, I'm not even sure if I saw that. Okay. All right. Apparently, I did not even look. No right. one wonders why it's there. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and so yeah, you're you're in here. You've got this uh, the sniper rifle. That's it's kind of almost rusted. It's like it's wrapped with cloth to kind of hold it together. It's it's definitely not you know fresh and new. Um, and you're looking out. You're so you're on the basically the second story um, of an alley that kind of has a lot of like two story buildings. Uh, and on the tops of some of the buildings are patrolling these these interesting robots with like backwards legs. Uh, there's some that are kind of moseying around on the on the the floor. Uh, it's all kind of dusty, and mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of atmosphere. Uh, in the distance, there's some um, a- alien, well not alien, robot mega buildings, kind of a little bit mm-hmm. uh, Matrix style. Uh, and there's this big mysterious sphere that kind of hangs in the in the sky that I'm sure you guys also noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, I with, noticed that in the time trial mode yes. that, that I played more so than in the the regular game mode. Uh, mainly because in the regular game mode, there were other things kind of going on with that one in the time trial. That was kind of how you started the game. So yep. it was very apparent that, okay, I need to do something with this thing up there. Yep. Uh, so that's that's the uh, the basis for the game right now. Uh, when you play through the, after you're done with the, the, the daytime version, uh, you can actually play the game at night mm-hmm. um, using a night vision scope uh, that we kind of... It gives almost a different feel. Is that the same map, essentially? Uh, Right now, it's the same map. We've been working for months now to kind of get enough content that we can kind of do a really, really big patch that people are going to enjoy, which I guess segues into multiplayer. It sure does. Because, (laughs) golly, we've been working on that for a long time. (laughs) Um, The game came out in early access, and 
uh, lots of people liked it and lots of people jumped in right away. Uh, and we kind of had a decision to make because our early access, we promised a full campaign mode and a multiplayer mode. Mm-hmm. And we had a hard time deciding which one we were going to focus on first. Um, but we really, really just wanted to see where we could get the multiplayer and mm-hmm. you know how much fun that would be. Because we, we're pretty sure it was going to be fun. <laughs> we're pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, and more sure than, than you are with a lot of like VR you know, guesses, guesses, right? Um, so the idea of like hunting one of your friends uh, really just stuck with us. And so we've been working uh, day and night to try to get this, this multiplayer. You guys saw a version that we had. Um, the only time we've shown it publicly was uh, like a month ago. Uh, and I guess, what did you think? I had a great time. Yeah, I was like, it, it was a lot of fun. It definitely, it brings a different feel. Uh, one of the things that Steve noticed right away when we were doing the multiplayer is when you're playing the main campaign and you have the one window in front of you, that is your main focus. In the multiplayer, you have to remember that you are in this, you know, mud building and there are more than one window. Yep. <laughs> you know, so since there's more than one window, it really makes you feel more in that world, mm-hmm. and especially since you are against somebody else. Yeah, and did we mention the grappling hook yet? We did not. Mm, not yet. Yeah. So you can grapple from tower to tower, and obviously you can see your opponent grappling from mm-hmm. tower to tower a, a little bit. I mean, it's obscure enough. You go, I think there's something off there in the distance. But uh, there's there's a lot of space between these. So you're still mm-hmm. sniping folks, or sniping your friend right. from across <laughs> the way. Uh, but you have to balance moving to a different location versus following that person, hiding, ducking. There's a lot going on in, in mm-hmm. uh, early demo here. Yeah, it shows so much promise, absolutely. Yeah. And the other, the other weapon that we had that I think I killed you once with was a grenade launcher. Oh, yeah. So that was really cool. And that was something where, unlike the regular trajectory of a bullet, you know, you are looking into this distance into this hut, and you have to really think about arching it in over that or arcing it in over the top of that to get to the person. We, we realize that some people might take the hiding a little too seriously ah. and never come out. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, they, yeah. I think one of my first times I, I got in and I knew that there was a person with a real brain that was going to try to hunt and kill me, I got a little paranoid and I may have just kind of like hid up against the wall for a while. <laughs> right. And, you know, just hoping that he would just present himself and I would like get an easy shot. Um, then, then once your bravery kicks in, uh, you kind of like head out into the world. Um, but still, sometimes you get into a firefight where the person just like ducks or, or completely, you know, obscures himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I have no way to know how long that could last, but if we give you some some other methods around it, um, maybe, you know, if we do good level design, then we can give you, like, different positions where maybe while they're hiding, you can get to an elevated position and have a better shot on them, mm-hmm. um, or obviously objectives, things like that. Um, but like capture the flag type of situations, or maybe you have to zip line or grapple hook to a certain place and hold that fort. Yeah, we're, we're going, we're looking at all of the favorite uh, game modes as, as options to kind of, you know, inspire combat. Um, most of those are going to be developed when we um, go past the 1v1 mode that we're kind of starting mm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, really, we can, we have all of the framework to make kind of almost any multiplayer sniper game that we want right now. Mm. And so some of the, the tricks, like the difficulty is choosing exactly what game we're making. Because right. like, you know, some of us are huge mm-hmm. fans of Overwatch and the other ones are huge fans of Counter-Strike. And like, those are, they, they play differently, right? Okay. And, Very much so. you know, do you run out and collect weapons or do you have the same weapon and you go get new ammo? Like we've, like, 
we've had to kind of look at everything that's ever been made in the entire first person shooter genre and you know, like decide what we want to to you know encapsulate so yeah and then you show it to creative people and they go well what about this what, what about, about that this? and probably the scary thing for you is you might find one that you're like oh yeah we really should do that one thing and then yeah or as yeah, as they but, turn their back and you start writing notes like yeah yeah go on uh-huh but what other <laughs> ideas do you have yeah but like you mentioned the the VR guesses essentially because VR right now is just the, the old west it is the wild frontier so kind of with that VR landscape how does that influence your creativity it's the best yeah it, yeah uh, the I, I got into the mobile uh, development in like 2009 so it just it, it wasn't quite stale yet it was still pretty interesting um, but the platform was not everything you'd always want. Like it, mm -hmm. it became just super casual and and you know games to play on the toilet. Uh, right. <laughs> but but when VR came around, like it opened up and suddenly, the first person to make you know Fruit Ninja in VR mm -hmm. has now developed something that is is like interactive. You're actually swinging a sword with your hands. You're you can see the fruit. You can you can decide whether you're hitting it with the side of the sword like a, you know, like a baseball bat or if you're actually slicing it. Um, that was this is not an obscure reference. I actually like, yeah. designed the Zenblade game. Um, <laughs> and, you know, shameless plug. Uh, so there's so many like I have a list and like a ledger of all of the ideas that I want to do in VR. Uh, and the list does get shorter sometimes when other people just right. come up with the same ideas. Uh, but, you know, mostly it just gets longer and longer because there's just a million things that I want to do in VR. We're already working on, like, four projects kind of simultaneously with a company that barely even has four people in it. Mm. Um, so, and every time you, you hire someone new, they're just like, hey, guys, what if we did this? And you're like, <laughs> okay. So we could, yeah, we have projects that could take us to 2025 by this point, I'm sure. And I could wake up and tomorrow and have things that we want to drop everything and, and try again. Like The Wake was the game we were working on mm -hmm. until we came up with something that we wanted to work on even more. Yeah. Which was not the nest. It was actually that's when Natural Twenty came up. So yeah. so the chronology is that it went the wake and then we pivoted to Natural Twenty for all of like a month and then we did the hackathon where we made the nest and the sniping thing just took off and so that became our big one. And so maybe we've also been working a little bit on the Natural Twenty one. I have no idea what you are talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been pseudo embargoed from saying anything about it. <laughs> Same here. When you talk, I just hear. Beep, right. Don't know what that is. You'll be the first one to know when when we unembargo it. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So with this industry being the best, as you just said, where do you see those next steps in VR? Because for someone like me and Steve knows more about VR than I do. With me, I'm just kind of still trying to absorb what is out there and there is you know the ar the augmented reality kind of versus virtual reality is it really like a versus or are they kind of tangentially related i have thoughts on this please tell me your thoughts on this i worked at an augmented reality company in 2014 mm -hmm. called cast ar uh, okay and there if if you make a list of the, the big three uh ar companies uh cast ar is the fourth <laughs> they're the one that okay. There's there's not quite on the list of the top three, um, but really there are only four real AR uh, solutions. Um, it's the, the Magic Leap that has gotten a lot of press lately, uh, the Hololens, uh, which oh right, which is 
if you want to spend $3,000 on a developer kit, then you have a really cool toy. Uh, <laughs> Meta, which I think was a Kickstarter-funded one um, that I haven't tried for a while, but I think it's gotten a lot better. And then there's Cast AR, which has, it was made by a bunch of ex-Valve employees, many of whom worked on the VR technology that we're all enjoying right now. Mm. So, so it definitely has you know, the, the, the foundation. But when it comes to AR, I, I, from day one, I don't see enough of a distinction between AR and VR okay. uh, that, that people think that it's this big war. Um, it's, they use the same engines, they use the same technology, they use the almost probably the same tracking technology, we're gonna probably use the same hand controllers. Whatever visual language we get for interfaces is probably gonna carry over from one to the other once someone figures it out. Um, and ultimately, I see that the real AR product is going to also click into a VR product. Okay. You're just you're gonna see overlays on the world, and you're gonna go out do your right. interaction business, and then you're gonna get on a bus, and you're gonna click a button, and then you're gonna be in your own world. Um, but if someone taps you on the shoulder, you pop right out, and you're back into the AR world, and you can see why did you bother me? I want to go back into my yeah. right. VR. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure it's gonna have military applications. I mean, just thinking about the sniper game. Hey. A soldier, I'm sure, is going to have some sort of AR rig in the not too distant future. I think they already do. But they already do. Yeah. <laughs> they, Spoiler alert, they <laughs> already do. Spoiler alert. Um, we're, I don't know if we're even sending soldiers at places anymore. We're mostly just, you know. Oh, yeah, with drone it'll, technology it'll be and, and everything. robots and yeah. all the, the fun parts from the science fiction we grew up with. Yeah. Unless you're the one they're shooting at, in which case it's not as fun. Not as fun. No, not yeah. so much. Yeah. No. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and then. So the greater kind of lab where we are right now is, is Commotion Labs. Mm -hmm. So in Commotion Labs, just looking around, you guys have green screens everywhere. Can you tell me a little bit more about Commotion? Oh yeah, uh, Commotion is this amazing um, section of, I guess, the, the University of Washington where they have a public-private partnership uh, that creates funds for some really amazing like technology advancements. They've got uh, labs that are working on like infrastructure, transportation technology. They have a different lab that's working on like medical technology. Um, I think uh, I'm, I'm I don't you know I don't do the PR for them or anything, <laughs> but I, I believe that they leverage um, the the tech industry from around Seattle to basically allow these amazing places to be funded that if we, rather than just jump, jacking up everyone's tuition and having you know the students pay for it all. Uh, so this one is, it's only four or five months old. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. They went out and, and recruited a bunch of the, the local companies that you know wanted uh, to be part of this community. And so yeah, we've got cool toys. We've got <laughs> a great uh, space with so many vibes around right <laughs> that you have like constant lighthouse pollution uh, which mm. is if anyone has ever been in a, an area you if you have too many of the lighthouses in the same space you can kind of they can cross talk and you have a little bit of, of tracking trouble um, so yeah we're, we're so densely populated with VR stuff that the VR stuff doesn't work anymore <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's also you know the Oculus Rift and the people have a lot of the Gear VR. They're working on 360 video, um, you know, motion capture stuff, um, just medical like visualization. It's the really really cool place to be. And we're the ones making silly games. <laughs> other people here make us feel bad all the time because they're like you know working to make the world a better place, and we're letting you you know shoot those poor robots who are trying to go feed their kids. Everybody needs a release, right? From right. The everyday life. What I noticed with the multiplayer, 
that we were robots also. Yes. So at least from what it, it looked like. Yeah, um, we realized, just, I guess decided right away that we, we don't want to kind of like shoot, shoot at flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. um, it, I think the zombie game traumatized us in a lot of bunch of weird ways. <laughs> right. uh, just having, like you mentioned earlier, having a, a six foot tall, like muscular, skinless person <laughs> just walking straight towards you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, this is fine. And then they keep walking towards you. And you're like, oh, I'm getting uncomfortable. And <laughs> right. then they're in your personal space. Yeah. And you're like, this is freaking gross. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, like, I don't know. I, I have I, I get a go-to anecdote where I, I shot one of them in the head one time and felt, like, horrible. <laughs> right. Like, uh -huh. like a terrible human being. And uh, and so, yeah, we we've definitely want to make the games as, you know, family-friendly murder as possible. Mm -hmm. So robots are good. Um, zombies. Zombies yeah. are good. Uh, I guess mutants and things, um, you know. I don't know what else. If you can come up with any other things that we can kill without feeling bad, yeah. by all means. Which I, that was actually one of the things I liked about this game, about with the nest, is because I remember Silent Scope. Any of us around our age who grew up going to arcades remember Silent Scope. But growing up, I was never allowed to have toys with guns in them. So Silent Scope to me, it was just like, eh, you know, not really. Something like this, where it is just robots. You know, it takes away, you know, that aspect of realism made this game way more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> I noticed the, the, the design of the head of the robots, that must have been uh, an important thing to get right. You know, from the profile, it's maybe not the same profile as a human head. Mm -hmm. It's more of a... Like angular? It's a, yeah, exactly. They're a little so, bird-like. Right, yeah. yeah. So what were some of your design challenges in making the nest? I mean, similar to that, things where you go, oh, we didn't think, we didn't maybe have to figure out that ahead of time. But now that we're here, what's the, what's the head going to look like? What's the body going to look like? What were some of the design challenges for this? Uh, interestingly enough, the robot I made before we made the nest. Hmm. Uh, so just, just like the zombies, basically I... I worked with a company called Tipos and we made assets for the Unreal Marketplace. So if you ever see a skinless zombie in a game, uh, I can raise my hand and say I made that, <laughs> but I also don't own the exclusive rights because we've sold it to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds mm -hmm. of people. Mm. Uh, lots of VR developers, it turned out, really wanted a high quality motion captured, like, you know, uh, next gen looking zombie. So mm. that was our best seller. And there's like five Vive games that all have kind of our same zombie. Awesome. Um, so, whoops. <laughs> uh, the robot uh, was named Robo, and he was made uh, for a similar purpose. He, we, we did all of the, the cover animations and, and, you know, firing back and all that kind of stuff. He has yeah. to have some cool special moves where, like, his... He has saws for hands and can shoot this freaking orb. We'll, we'll put it. We'll, I was like, what? we'll use it all. We'll use it all later. It's like um, we did not get to see that. Yeah, uh, it, it's we haven't ended up using uh, like everything in the game, but really we just we were making assets that we we wanted people to have uh, like the ability to do all these things with. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that they just became really good sniper targets was almost a ha happy accident. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's in Unreal there's a default like mannequin. Uh, and you'll probably see it. And, and even some games just still use the straight-up mannequin. He's this kind of, like, uh, shiny, glossy, like, no feature, no, no uh, facial features, like, metal joints, mm -hmm. uh, ro robot-looking guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's kind of like the, the default human, if you will. Uh, and so, you know, that 
is something that we actually might use for the players in the future. Oh, okay. Um, but you know, definitely kind of like cyborg robot-ish, but still kind of humor human um, features because it's it's easier to map your your movements onto something that matches you know your your actual joints and your muscles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the current one that you guys actually tried out, we we have you piloting the robots that are actually in the single player game. Um, but their legs bend backwards, <laughs> and they've got those weird necks and things. Mm-hmm. And so the it's been pretty tricky to retarget that onto a, an avatar. Okay, I'm getting too specific. Sorry. <laughs> well, there's there's a there's a term that that you guys use that I never really heard. Chaperone. Yeah. That's... So what what was that? Because I kept hearing you guys talk about it. The chaperone is part of the the Vive setup, where okay. you actually draw out a, a square around the space that you want to play in. And it creates that invisible grid that you saw. Gotcha. Uh, so anytime you get close to the edges, um, it pops up and lets you know that you're almost outside of, of your space. Uh, in our space, we got tons of room. But if you're in a studio apartment and you want to play VR, you <laughs> definitely want to know where your TV is mm-hmm. and where your like the pictures of your kids are, so you don't reach out and break them with the controller. Thinking back to when the Wii first came out and the nunchuck and how many blog posts there were of people throwing the nunchuck at the TV, oh, yeah. hitting their hand on the fan. Yep. I'm uh, surprised you didn't have wrist uh, holders. Oh, yeah. We, we have to take the straps off because of the peripherals that we stick them into. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But on the other hand, we actually go the full opposite end of the spectrum. Um, the Nest is a relatively safe game in terms of like space. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're, you're aiming at a window. You're, you're staying mostly still while you're doing the sniper stuff. The wake, on the other hand, is a nightmare of where people will like run towards the zombies and go outside their their, <laughs> uh, spa- their yeah. safe space. They'll ba- they'll run away from the zombies and hide and, and actually back into things. And when you're backing up, you don't even see the yeah. grid you're backing into. Um, so we made a thing that I just just for the Halloween version that I call hashtag safety spikes. Um, safety spikes. Safety spikes. Uh, <laughs> it's it's our own like double version of chaperone where it turns out like a, a little blue grid mm-hmm. is enough to keep you let you know where the wall is unless a zombie has just walked right through that blue grid and you're now trying to like fight for your life uh-huh. on the other hand if these big rusty mean looking spikes that look like they're going to just like impale you if those show up when you get to the edge of your ah. space then people know not to walk into them so we went. It was it was either going to be safety spikes or safety spiders, and uh, my wife really hates spiders, so I decided to just go with spikes. Smart, <laughs> yeah. But anything, and maybe it would have been like she definitely would not have gone outside of the safe space if there was mm-hmm. just like big juicy spiders. But then I think then dangling. people would get more freaked out, and then maybe run away maybe from run it the, the other, other way, direction. and then yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So safety spikes, yes, makes w- total sense. We always tell people like be super safe, uh, and definitely you know to take it very seriously, and don't crash into anything or hit anything. Unless you're recording it, in which case, feel free. Yeah, I've seen some videos on YouTube where they gave Grandpa the VR yeah. headset, and he runs he away. Runs. Yeah. <laughs> but I totally understand that impulse. Yeah. The girl who jumps yeah. like over a tree and lands in the corner near a tree, like a little ficus or something. Yeah. yeah, they're good videos. Fantastic. Getting back to the Nesto, I had a quick question about the scope. I mean, the scope is what really sets it apart from any other gun game of its kind. Uh, and also, what set sniper, sniper, I'm um, sorry, silent scope out, away from other, you know, time crisis and those types of arcade shooters? What was it like getting that scope right? Because it, it feels it was, right to me. It feels like it was like you're actually eighty percent of the work. I would. I say. bet. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. The getting the game in the game jam uh, was, you know, it was 
there was assets that we like the, the robot I had already made, and so we got to put them in and have do those animations and, and AI. Um, the you know getting some of the art was was not super challenging, but getting the the core mechanic, which is you know how you're holding this rifle and how you're looking through the scope, uh, finding which buttons you want to click in order to zoom in and out. Like zooming in and out is not a thing that that most scopes do, mm-hmm. um, and so ours is is extra futuristic. It's extra user friendly, mm-hmm. uh, and it lets you it, it does some smoothing. Uh, that I think we talked about, where the if when you're holding your hand perfectly, perfectly still, even the Vive controller is going to show like a tiny bit of jitter. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Oculus Touch controllers are are super duper precise, which means that there's even a little bit more jitter on this this light controller where your hand right. might shake a little right. bit. Yeah. Um, and you don't want that when you're trying to zoom in like a thousand yards away and and shoot someone in the head. So we kind of um, we put lots and lots of effort into this smoothing algorithm that takes you know all kinds of different factors into account and makes it so that most people feel like a really good sniper regardless of whether it's 10 feet away or like you know really really far mm-hmm. excellent well cool so thank you both uh, for your time now where can people find the studio on social media where can people find you to kind of keep up with what you guys are up to Oh, we're uh, we're at Inverse Studios, and the Inverse is I N V R S E, with the VR in the middle. Uh huh. N V R S E. Cheeky. And so yeah, Inverse at Inverse Studios. Uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, I actually I pilot that one a lot. And so if you see anything particularly insightful, I'm sure that was me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Again, humble brag, but so, yeah. Sorry, right. Josh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, we uh, we, we kind of take turns on it, but uh, but yeah, the the website is at or is www.inverse.com uh, and you know look out for us on Steam you can check out the the wake for free right now you can check out the nest it's only ten dollars uh, it's definitely going to be on sale coming up soon uh, so just keep an eye out for that uh, we may have an announcement about CES in January okay uh, so yeah we're, we're doing stuff and then um, keep keep a weather eye out for natural 20 when we finally start making some announcements mm-hmm. um, we like it a lot. And I, I wish I could say something, but I cannot. <laughs> uh, all, all I will say is I got to play a little bit of it. Yes, you did. And that is that is all. Those I, safety I, spikes are real. There are some right next to me right now, and they keep getting closer the more I talk about Natural 20. So I'm going to stop talking about Natural 20, even though I am excited. I'm excited, too. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, hit you guys up, and we'll, we can probably talk more about it uh, when we get closer to releasing it, which you know maybe January ish, maybe February, something along those lines. Okay. Yeah, uh, but the multiplayer for the Nest is, right. is really that's coming out soon. We're looking, we're really really trying to finish it before <laughs> the end of December. Uh, so yeah, we'll be making community announcements. Um, obviously, a lot of people already have the game, so we have kind of a, a good install base uh, mm-hmm. for people to play against each other. Um, but we really just we want to take it off big, or we want it to take off big. So. It's tense. It's fun. I think it's going to be big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we want it to be competitive too. Like, yeah, yeah. own oh, it. Yeah, I definitely think it will be. I mean, even with just Steve and I, like it, it made made everything intense, made everything fun. So if you guys are able to put in three people, four people. Yeah, it is going to get pretty crazy real quick. And everybody, make your own peripheral unless you... Yes, <laughs> we're looking at different peripheral partners. Uh, <laughs> some of the photos are from our like uh, arcade people that we've been working with. Uh, there's an Indiegogo going for a company called Ilium that has, mm-hmm. uh, has a, a Vive rifle that you can check mm-hmm. out. Um, and, you know, back, help them back it and everything. Um, 
but yeah, all of those peripherals, everything. Uh, if if we can get this game to become an esport, like mm-hmm. virtual sniping, oh, as man. an esport, yeah. is something uh, that we're we're really excited about. If it works, um, we'll figure out what's the best game mode, whether it's one v one or two v two or four v four or just a crazy free for all. Uh, you know, we'll we'll probably be patching in almost all of those game modes over time, and whichever one people like the most is mm-hmm. you know, where we'll go. The announcers will have to be very quiet. They go, he's hiding in the, <laughs> right. he's hiding in the West Tower. Okay, oh, now he's grappling yeah. to the North what Tower. Is, what does every sniper have? They have a spotter. Aha! Uh-huh. Oh, so nice. I can't talk too much about it, but we <laughs> we have a, a spotter mode planned that we think is definitely going to take off. Okay. Okay. I see the safety spikes coming in closer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, again, we have been at Inverse Studio. Uh, thank you. Ryan, yeah, thank you, Josh, uh, for giving us this experience. It is it is awesome, and I wish you guys great success. It is really important to for me to highlight local creators, local innovators, you know, here in the Seattle area. So you guys are doing amazing work. Thank you. Come back anytime. Oh, d- do not tell us that because we <laughs> will. <laughs> okay. So and. Yeah, oh, 17. 17? Right. Okay, okay. That, that means we're coming back next week. All right. Okay. Yeah. Add John's charisma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. My charisma is like plus nine. So, <laughs> fantastic. All right. Well, All right. thank you again, guys. All right. Take it easy. All right. So, we are now back in the studio, uh, the About to Review studio, after going to Inverse Games, which is part of Comotion Labs, the University of Washington, here in Seattle, Washington. So we sat down with Ryan, who is the founder and creative director of Inverse Studio, and he told us all about uh, the game that he is currently working on, the games that they used to work on slash are currently still working on. So Steve, now that we're back in the studio and we've had time to digest our experience. I had a great time. I mean, nice guys, smart guys, Mm -hmm. and you can tell they have a passion and a vision for it. Yeah. You know, we can sit here and go, is VR a fad? Is it ever going to catch on wide? You know, that doesn't matter. We're doing amazing, fun, crazy things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is instantly engaging because we're using the senses that we normally do. And we inherently understand the 3D space. Mm-hmm. And when our brain is being tricked in such a delightful way, it, it's natural. You, you see it, you shoot it. Yeah. Or, you know, if the zombie's coming at you, you hack at it. I mean, that's what you would do anyway if you woke up in the middle of the night. By the way, if you ever wake up in the middle of the night (laughs) and it occurs to you to look out the peephole of your apartment door, Mm. really think about it. Because if there's a killer clown on the other side, you're not going to bed for a while. So I would just resist that and go straight to bed. But anyway... How does that tie into VR? It doesn't tie in at all. It doesn't tie in at all. But, you know, I've had that experience. The killer clown. Okay. But uh, Steve had a very traumatic <laughs> childhood. <laughs> no, but seriously, this is a natural and amazing experience. Uh, and my, my favorite part of going there and mm-hmm. seeing everything was uh, you see this and you get an idea and you say, well, what if you did it this way? Or if you, what if you added this? And what if you added that? And a lot of times they kind of nod knowingly and they say, yeah, we had a meeting, you know, we had a feature mm-hmm. creep meeting about this, which is uh, totally understandable yeah. because your brain just percolates and you say, oh, you could do this with it. And, this. and uh, so I think the future is vast. Absolutely. And I think that I think that is the beauty 
of not only you know playing indie games like this, but now actually that we got the chance to go to the studio, really talk to the guys, get a feeling of what it means to make these VR games and see that passion and see just how much they care about this ever-growing landscape mm-hmm. is inspiring. And I think it is great that in this wild west of VR gaming, there's this resurgence mm-hmm. of those indie programmers who, like Ryan said, he would have an idea, be like, oh, maybe I want to do this in a game mm-hmm. and just keep a list going. And then maybe somebody has that idea also and they you know, beat you to the punch so you know, so it would, but that <laughs> so it would. <laughs> is that a fr- <laughs> that is not a phrase at all? Yeah. Uh, they they would beat him to the punch, but he would still be like, "All right, well, maybe I can do this differently, or maybe uh-huh. I can do this better, yeah, than somebody else." So that kind of creative spirit, I think, is awesome, and I think VR is ripe for that type of creative person right now because you can kind of do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And there's room for smaller games even within this big idea. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you have AAA titles like Call of Duty and so forth, you also have smaller titles which are mind-blowing. They try to do less, but they do it in such a concise and engaging way that uh, I'm happy it's there, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. It was really great to see that just like in standard video games, non-VR games, you mm-hmm. have your Call of Duties, the triple a titles but you also have these uh smaller indie games that do well also mm-hmm. but also expand the concept of what a game can be and there is a game that we're embargoed from talking about uh <laughs> that we experienced over at uh the vr space there john you played that one and you had a blast with it i did yeah. and i i really wish i could say more <laughs> uh yeah. but out of respect to to ryan and josh because they they're amazing guys and they're doing amazing work yeah I definitely will talk about this game more yeah. once they let me know that I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, uh, I, 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 yeah, I can't say anything more without <laughs> additionally spoiling it, but mm-hmm. it's fun to see that there's room for all kinds of yes. different games, not just the super serious physics uh, dependent mm-hmm. uh, types of games. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, this this area of gaming will lend its hand to a lot of different types. Mm-hmm. You will get the people who want to have that really rigid experience mm-hmm. where, you know, be it a Final Fantasy or something where everything feels real and everything mm-hmm. feels tactile and all of that. You're going to get a, you're going to get a lot of other people who do not really want that or don't really need that. They want to feel in a they want to feel like they're in a different space mm-hmm. without that extra level. Just like you have gamers of all types in general. Mm-hmm. I think in the VR space right now, yeah, it, it is ripe for that. Yeah. And it's natural for an indie developer to want to speak to those niche interests in addition to the wider interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely is going to be a fascinating journey. And I said it back on episode 22 after Steve and I played some VR games at six and packs. This is when we talk about VR these are the closest things we have to a holodeck and will have closest to a holodeck for a long time. Like when you first put on those goggles and you see the grid, you are already like, you know that you are standing in a room, but when you put on those goggles, you see the grid, you're already transported somewhere else. And they gave you an additional body pack as well. Yeah. That was something else. We didn't talk about that at all. 
Yeah, we. What, what was that? So it was called, uh, I think, the Sub Pack. I took a picture of it. Uh, check the blog for for more pictures and information on it. But that was cool. That so was something... describe what it was. It was like a small, uh, almost like a camelback uh-huh. uh, backpack. backpack, small backpack. Yeah, and it gave vibrations and gave feedback relating to the game experience. That I think is incredible. So if you got shot you would feel a bit of bass hitting your back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or even when an enemy would kind of shoot in the in the nest, you know, that we were playing, when they would shoot the, the structure mm-hmm. that you were in, you know, there'd be a little bit of, of buzz. Mm-hmm. That type of gameplay, like, I really liked that when the Nintendo Wii, they were kind of the first ones, actually not even just the Nintendo Wii, Nintendo, when they remember, and I'm sure you remember this, the trackpad mm-hmm. way back on the, on the original NES. Mm-hmm. I love it when companies are trying to do more mm-hmm. and trying to get people off of the couch. Mm-hmm. So granted, with the Wii, when it first came out, everybody who was bowling and doing baseball, they were jumping up and down mm-hmm. until they realized it was all just the accelerometer and it was just your wrist. It was still more fun to do it. Like it absolutely was. Doing it, but yeah, yeah. So I think with I this, sure. with this new, new platform yeah. of VR gaming, I think it is going to bring that back. I think you're going to get the people who want to get off the couch mm-hmm. who want to even if it is standing in your living room mm-hmm. it is so much more engaging than other types of gameplay and the immersion that is going to happen once this keeps or as this keeps evolving mm-hmm. is going to be incredible mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I i am fascinated to to see where it goes because yeah it it is i mean it sounds cliche but the boundaries are endless mm-hmm. like imagine playing a game like one of your favorite game series, Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. It is scary enough in the wave where the zombies are just coming at you just in waves. Now imagine being able to kind of walk around that area mm-hmm. or hear the sounds like it is going to be insane. Yeah. I think the first true horror game I play is mm-hmm. going to be pretty epic. <laughs> yeah. I've played a... It will come with a case of Depends yeah. right next to you. Yeah. Uh, I had a Google Cardboard game oh, yeah, that yeah. I played, and uh, it was a Blair Witch reboot mm. tie-in. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really much of a game. You just stood right. in one place and looked around, and you look oh. at the house, <laughs> and you see sort of a flash, and there's someone's um, uh, silhouette in the in the gotcha. house window. But it was still pretty scary because I, I did put on big headphones for mm. it. And, you know, audio is a big part of uh, horror games. Um, but, yeah, that's that's going to really change that whole genre. Yeah. VR. And they did have um, a bike, like a stationary bike like you had seen at gym. Yeah. That, unfortunately, we did not get the chance to play just because just timing and whatever. I call it battle bikes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, trademark. Uh <laughs> And actually, there's a good reason why Steve would call it battle bikes, because as you are on this bike, on either hand or either bar, there were triggers, there were sensors. So obviously, they're going to be incorporating that into future games. So it is interesting to see the peripherals Mm -hmm. for these games that are not even out yet, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. the games now have to catch up to the creators being like, okay, I want to build this thing that will do this. Mm Mm-hmm now make the game where it will work so you're at your spinning class and everybody puts on their vr goggles and now uh-huh. you're in like a tour de france type of situation a photorealistic version of the uh pyrenees and that whole yeah, yeah. well I mean, granted they kind of already have that with speedy 
bicycle. What is speedy? Speedy is just another uh, spin class where you actually are. You have TVs in front of you, and you are no. going on courses. VR. Well, I, okay, yeah, we're I understand. The, the goggles make all the difference. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um. So I think yeah, being being on the bike, I think more it would be fitting for. Uh, what was that game? I always forget the name of it. It was an N sixty four game where you are a future pilot in space, and it was not Star Fox. Pilot not Wings. No. Uh, is on sixty four. Star Fox. Yeah. <laughs> As I just said, do not say Star Fox. <laughs> but okay, so take Star Fox for no, no, no. For no. I want to figure out what this. Is. Oh, Descent. Uh, where you can go three sixty upside yes. down and all. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I played Descent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So something like that, or a Star Fox game where you're on this bike, which is controlling your, you know, speed. Yeah. And then you have these triggers in front of you. Yeah. I think again, it is going to add a totally different type of gameplay mechanic, and it gets people active. If you have not found out by now, I'm a really big fan of getting people active and doing things. Yeah. Play your games. Uh-huh. Like, go ahead, do that. But you can do that while also doing something else. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. That would be really cool. Uh, the guns that we saw. It was yeah. awesome to see the progression mm-hmm. of peripherals. Check the website for a nice photo of that. Yeah, absolutely. So there were three different gun models mm-hmm. that we saw and kind of got to play around with. Ranging from one that is just gaffer's tape and wood. And a little and, bit of cardboard. And a little bit of cardboard. Up Duct to tape for good measure. Up to a full plastic one that had buttons and joysticks. Yeah. Then just the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, made out of, he said, nylon injection something. 3D but, molded. But it doesn't like, feel like my, nylon. It new. feels like it feels like a real gun. You know, yeah. it doesn't it's not metal, obviously. It's not cold like metal. It's mm-hmm. plastic, but yeah, yeah it had the intense. weight of the gun. Of yep. a real gun. Yeah. So things like that, I mean, it, yeah, it is only going to get better. And so again, there there will always be those conversations like, is it a fad? How long can it last? And also peripherals in general mm-hmm. in the video gaming world uh, haven't had a good history. Not so I mean, much. ever since the power glove. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say probably the NES Zapper was the last one that was really popular, just Which because one was that? Duck Hunt. Oh, oh, the zapper. Okay. You know, SNES had the super scope and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but even rock band instruments are mostly gone from people's homes now. Uh, The Donkey Kongas, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But I think Um, with with the, I think you're going to say that with the gun, you can use it for so many different games. I think that was the problem with the former generations of peripherals. Yeah. Is that with rock band, you could use it for maybe Guitar Hero or could you? Um, I'm not sure if it went between Guitar Hero and Rock Band, the same yeah. ones. But they did have different iterations of Rock Band. They had the Beatles version and, mm-hmm. you know, one, two, three, four. So. so things like that. But, I mean, there are companies now uh, that we talked about on with the interview with, with Ryan. Uh, this company called Ilium. And they're making, uh, they currently have an Indiegogo campaign. If you just go to Indiegogo.com projects uh, and then Athena by Ilium VR, like they're trying to construct this really really amazing looking gun peripheral that then you could use yeah. across across every platform yeah and make it affordable for people to actually have mm-hmm. yeah. because yeah the one that we played like the granddaddy of them all crazy expensive mm-hmm. and, and and you can feel it and it mm-hmm. is worth it mm-hmm. but getting it out there to a wide audience is going to be difficult yeah so doing something like the ilium where it is lighter weight you can use it on all of the shooting games that are coming out for vr yeah I think that is going to be incredible. Yeah. And something different that peripherals kind of had not really had. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, Donkey Konga, 
Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. No, this one will have staying power. For sure. People should support it. People should go and support it on the Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you don't have a VR unit now, but when you do, you're going to want that gun. Yeah. Totally agree. So in general. Yes. With the VR experiences that now you have had plenty of. Well, I will, I will say, uh, I will not say, a ton, but a little. I mean, I don't own it. You don't own it. Right. But we've had a couple of demos. Sure. Mm-hmm. Where do you want this to go? Like, what is the next thing you want to see? Oh, man. Adventure games. <laughs> uh, no, but we also <laughs> talked a little bit about augmented reality games. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can somehow take it into the real world, you know, Pokemon Go, but augmented reality. Yeah, yeah that's that's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I don't what would be your it's... What would be the game? If they were to take one of your favorite games yeah. and make a VR, what would it be? Uh, tennis. I like tennis. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> As a sport. Well, we kind of played that at PAX, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, racquetball. That felt good. That felt yeah. good. It felt like actually playing tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, geez. You stumped me, John. I do what I can. What are... <laughs> well, Skyrim. Sorry, but uh, it, it lends Imagine itself perfectly to that. picking up that book in the middle of a well that makes no sense <laughs> and reading it in VR. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or you could imagine uh, Bloodborne and Dark Souls and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, any any third person or first person yeah. uh, fantasy game that would be really interesting to see. You know, mm-hmm. hammer and sword and shield in hand. You know, uh, yeah. How about for you? For me, I think it would be just because they're the type of games that I like. Some sort of action based game. Mm-hmm. So like a God of War, I think would be really interesting. Yeah, and it would be a heck of a workout yeah swinging your arms around (laughs) yeah um so something like that uh even games like i think thief Uh uh-huh uh where you can do delicate things like doing lock picking i think with the controllers you know if you have the two controllers in your hand with like the thumb sensitive yeah areas i think doing interesting things like that will be really cool Mm mm-hmm so taking that tactile aspect that you still feel in the game when you are playing it, because of the, you know, the sensors and the controller, and it kind of shakes. Yeah. But truly feeling like you are in it. Yeah. Yeah. And also travel. I mean, I've heard from other people that have experienced it, the VR experiences that take you underwater. You know, and you're in. Oh the yeah, I saw a clip of some of that. You know, I've never scuba dived before, mm-hmm. but that would be an amazing experience to have. You know, somewhat photorealistic diving experience and mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about air or anything like that you know <laughs> right <laughs> you know you're in that world mm-hmm. um or uh, another experience i had with google cardboard which is mm-hmm. just google maps but in vr mm-hmm. uh where you're looking around you look up and there's the eiffel tower and you look down you go to the next city and now you're in tokyo and there's the tokyo tower you know and you're i don't know why people are not blown away more by google maps uh and, yeah. and street view mm-hmm. i mean I can go anywhere I want in the United States for sure mm-hmm. in any major European city I mean and beyond. Yeah. Uh it's it's truly mind-blowing and to to have that there's something about having that in front of your face and you just do the natural head movements and it moves like you expect it to and doesn't make you sick. Uh it's trans it's transformative. Yeah. So. And I think you touched on something that is also important. Yeah. Getting used to this system. Uh-huh. There's a learning curve. Uh-huh. I mean, both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Because Steve mentioned it while we were at Inverse Studios. When you first take off the headphones, you're like, all right, I could I could already kind of hear the outside world. 
Then you take off the goggles. Yeah. It takes your brain a couple seconds to be like, whoa. Uh-huh. So I think that it is incredible. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, it is it is going to be interesting as the games keep progressing like we talk about. Yeah. What is that process going to be like? I think they're going to have some limits for a while as far as what they're able to do, not only graphically and processor-wise, but to not make the viewer sick. I mean, if you were mm-hmm. truly Kratos in God of War, you're flipping around, you're jumping, you're landing, you know, that's a lot of perspective change in addition to all the stuff that's going on on screen. Yeah. Um, so they 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 got to keep it uh, in the realm of not changing the perspective too much and making it engaging enough and, you know, making it fair so that you can hear people behind you and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, but um, I'm eager to eventually get the vibe, I think is the best one to go with, honestly. It feels like it is the the most uh, kind of cross-platform, like the most yeah. accessible. Yeah, even if we have to do a timeshare with four or five right. other people so it costs us, you know, 300 a piece instead of 2,000. Right. Um, that might be worth doing because... I know there are a lot of good VR games already mm-hmm. uh, that are out there, and uh, it might be worth might be worth getting it on the ground floor. I usually don't get the first version of anything. I disagree. Because... I remember when you first got the year was two thousand two. Yeah. When you got the Gen One iPod, and you were freaking out. It was the greatest invention of all time. Yeah, and the iPhone. <laughs> I also yeah. got Gen 1 on iPhone. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, look how far those have come. The yeah. first version, you True. couldn't even get apps or move anything around. There was one screen. and Okay, now I'm sounding like I re- Grandpa. Seriously, <laughs> I remember going over to Steve's apartment when he first got the Gen 1 iPod. And he was like, it's crazy. I can put all my CDs on it. It doesn't. It has a 15-second skip protection. No, more than that. You could shake it for 20 minutes before it would skip. <laughs> Because it still it had a hard drive, it, did, yeah. it had a physical hard drive, and so what it would do it was it would buffer, buffer it. twenty minutes of music into the buffer, and then uh, if you're shaking it, it has to shut down the hard drive. But anyway, okay, yeah, but yeah, that was pretty mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so I think that getting it on the ground floor of VR, <laughs> of VR, uh, yeah, it it will be it'll be good. I, I will definitely I will see about that. So awesome. Uh, there we go. That was our experience. Thanks for having me along, John. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was great it experience. Was, it was really cool. I'm glad I could bring you along. You are you are my pseudo official game correspondent. You know, one day I hope to get rid of that pseudo. <laughs> right. Oh, I just keep working on it. So. Um, and also a big shout out to Angel Parker. She is the community manager. Thanks, Angel. Uh, for Inverse Studios and Seattle Indies, she is the one that helped set this whole thing up. So. Yeah, really big thank you to Angel. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, so for for Inverse, I mean, it was awesome talking to Ryan Smith and Joshua Jones. You can find them on Steam. You can find them on Inverse.com and at Inverse Studios on Twitter. So yeah, support them. Support indie games, indie developers. I feel it is really important, especially with so many AAA titles and so many major, major game companies out there. Support local if you can and even if that local quote-unquote is just meaning supporting an indie developer yeah try and do it Mm -hmm. it it really helps out and especially seeing these guys and how passionate they are it promotes the diversity of ideas Mm -hmm. different ways of doing things that maybe haven't been proven as a triple a title has been Mm -hmm. but um just blow your mind and change and change the entire industry Mm -hmm. so yeah for sure 
Cool. Steve, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Steve Blog or on Instagram at Stand Inside. You can always pop over to my website, StandInsideMedia.com, if you want to watch some amazing videos of, let's say, orangutans, or you can see archival footage of Darwin walking around the Galapagos. <laughs> Darwin, didn't he exist before film? Just go and check it out for yourself. Yeah. Cheeky monkey. Uh, and if you're wondering why he has those videos on his website, <laughs> Steve is a videographer for National Geographic Expeditions and travels around the world taking incredible videos. Antarctica so. is next. Oh, nice. Yeah. That should be awesome. For like the 50th time, whatever, jerk. Anyway, uh, and for this podcast, I have been your host, that guy named John. You can find the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at About2Review. You can stream the episodes on iTunes and subscribe to it there also. Five-star reviews are fantastic. Also on the website, AboutToReview.com and Stitcher. And yeah, if you want to support the show and give us a dollar, it would be one more dollar towards getting a Vive system. You can do that by going to Patreon.com slash about to review I like this show. Thanks. You want to give a dollar? Sure. Sweet. <laughs> Uh, he, he pulled out nothing. So, all right. Virtual dollar. Vir- okay. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> all right. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Inverse Studio. And we will see you next time. 